HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, how are you? My name is Andrew WK. They say when things are very delicious, it must be Heritage Radio. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's March 1st, 2016. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Thanks to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. And what a show we have. We've got Thorst Luxus in Jopen. It's like, uh, are, we in, are we in Denmark or are we in Holland? This is going to be an awesome show. And I bet you're confused already. Yeah, well, we all survived Beer Week, so I'm still kind of in a spin. I don't even know what you're talking about. This is like the perfect way to, to end off Beer Week and... Uh, one of our favorite guests, BR Royals, in the house. And, uh, of course, you brought us an international brewer. How are you? Good, thanks. Yes, we have uh, the Jopen Brewery from Netherlands, from Harlem, uh, sort of our sister city, I suppose, uh, in Netherlands. Uh, we used to import them several years ago, well, more than several years ago, and uh, now have them back again in the Shelton Brothers Fold. We're happy That's to do great. That. And, you, and you guys have been doing a lot of things in the city? We have. We've been uh, going around to accounts. Uh, we've also got a launch tonight at Swite and Duivel. With the Dutch connection right there. All right, let's say hello to Mr. Jopin. Hi, how are you doing? What's your name, man? My name's Erwin. Erwin Jopin. Yeah, Erwin Klein from Jopin. I had a lot of fun because I know this is going to be a tongue twister. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tourist in Jopin. And Mike Amity from Tourist, uh, tell us who you brought in. Everybody can introduce themselves. We invited you on the show and you really brought, brought all your guys out. Thank yeah, you. We've we got the whole crew here pretty much. Yeah. Let's go around. Everybody, everybody say their name. Uh, I'm Graham. I bartended Torst. I thought you were the beer boy. Uh, head beer boy. Head beer exactly. boy, exactly. Thank you. Everybody say your real jobs because you're pretty fun. Uh, Fernando Saria, I'm the bartender morale manager at Torst. Morale manager, that's a good one. Anthony Cerise, bartender at Torst and assistant brewer at Long Island City Beer Project. Yeah, my name's Ryan Malbin. I am also a bartender at Torst, and I'm also the beer director at uh, Lupelo in uh, Manhattan. And let's have Erwin, let's say your name one more time. Erwin, Erwin Klein. All right, so, and do you feel like you know everybody now? Yeah, we all go way back. This is fun. So we got Torsten. So, um, you know, it's, it's such a cool beer town, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give big props to BR Royal because you always do bring some great people in from your portfolio. And it's funny, I, I was in Holland in 2009, so I knew of you open, and I've never had it before. So we're looking forward to tasting 
tasting through your beers. And I know that Mike from Taurus, you guys bought a lot of beers, too. I'm going to jump to you guys. Tell us about your beer program, because honestly, I've been there a few times, and, and I know you have the, the, the Michelin star-winning restaurant. Yep. But what is your beer program in, in the front? Uh, so we have uh, 21 draft lines, and uh, we're basically all about just bringing in the best beers we can. It's basically the stuff that we like to drink. <laughs> um, it's organized uh, from light to dark, roughly, across the 21 lines. So we've always got something on light, lower in alcohol. So we've always got some uh, some big, heavy uh, imperial stouts on as well. Um, two different keg rooms as well. So, uh, you know, all year round we've got uh, big beers up. And, uh, yeah, sours. IPAs, we t- we try to cover the spectrum and uh, about 150 or 200 bottles as well. That's great. And I know you had a lead off question. Oh, I was just curious who does the who's in charge of the beer program? Is it collaborative? Is you know does someone spearhead it? Uh, yeah, I'm the beverage director, so I I do all the buying and um, yeah, it's a, it's not a bad job to have. Cool. How long have you been there? Uh, since we started, so it's uh, been three years actually. Uh, next well, this month now, yeah. All right. Happy uh, anniversary, guys. And, and what's uh, what's 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 your job as beer boy? What does that mean? Uh, I, I, I drink a lot of beer, and uh, I, I pour the beers, and I make sure that if people don't have a beer, I get uncomfortable, and I, I just start to break out in hives. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. I'm the weekend warrior there for the most part. Get get a, get everybody through the weekend. All right. Beer, what did you do? You, you were at Taurus yesterday with um, with Irwin from Yelpin. Uh, yeah, we were meeting with uh, John Hall. Having a nice little little chat with John and From trying some beers, beer, right? exactly. Beer magazine. And uh, also figured that would be a good introduction to the New York beer scene. You know, that's a nice range of, of beers. And we had a little sneak peek with uh, the Doubting Thomas, which is uh, the Yopin Quadruple, brewed uh, with American hops. So we have a head on draft there at Tarst. It's probably still up. It is, yeah. Cool. What are the hops, the American hops? Uh, we got uh, Simcoe and Cascade and then Citra in the dry hop. And a quad, that's cool. All right. Let's taste the first beer. So what's what's the first beer that you poured for us? Is this a Yopin beer? That's a Hoppen beer, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that's a Yopin Hoppen beer. Uh, Tell something about it. Uh, It's actually the first beer we ever brewed uh, uh, for Yopin. It's a 1501 original recipe. Harlem is a very old, uh, has a very old brewing culture as a city. And uh, they registered and documented their recipes uh, one of them is the 1501 Hoppen beer. Hoppen beer is Hoppen beer because the first time registered that hops is used in beer. Before that, it's all Groot, Coit, uh, that's our other beer. Um, we will call this beer for uh, for the United States Harlem 1501, though, because Hoppen beer is confusing. People think they get a hoppy beer like an IPA. They don't. They get an old, uh, you know, uh, traditional style uh, heavy blonde, but then with a very, very nice hop touch to it. With what I think is great European hops, Hallertau Mittelfur and uh, East Kent Golding, they are really still very nice hops, although I love a good IPA. Erwin, keep, keep pouring beers. We got, we got almost 10 guests, and we're going to drink 10 beers here tonight. Cool. Let's yeah. ask the tourist guys to ask some questions. So you open, Erwin came from Mulholland. Why don't you guys each ask him a question, something that you would ask him if perhaps you wanted to carry the beer at tourist or, or if you had questions that you think a customer might want to know. So why, why don't you start us off for now? How did you start brewing? Well, we started brewing um, really to celebrate the 750th anniversary of the city of Harlem. Uh, looking into the old brewing history, uh, there was like a trust, like a group of friends coming together to do something with the lost beer culture because there was no more brewing in Harlem going on then. Um, this is in 1994, and we find these two old brewing recipes in the city archives. 
Hoppen beer, the one you're tasting now, is, was one of them, and that's how it started. Great, next question. We we just tried the quad before coming here, so we had something to taste. Cool. Um, we we all agree that it had like a very like chocolate chocolatey characteristic to it. And I'm usually yeah, very a customer quads being really sweet. Uh, was that just a recipe you found in the archives, or did you change some things up in it to sort of give it? The sort of balanced flavor it has. No, we we uh, we we wanted to make a quad, uh, a quad, ten uh, percent. Um, but the, uh, this is nice because we brew in a church. The holy trinity for Harlem was uh, the brewing grains: barley, wheat, and oats. And this quad also holds barley, wheat, and oats, so it changes the the mouthfeel to the beer, uh, dr- well, dramatically, but quite quite a lot. Um, um, you get probably some of the uh, the chocolate from the uh, the, the roasted uh, wheat malt, and um, the the Cascade Simcoe uh, Citra give a very nice touch to the to the to the finish. Mr. Graham, beer boy. <coughs> hey there. Uh, are you generally sorry? Your brewery is new to me. I haven't really uh, yesterday actually. The first time I had on a draft was the first time I actually tasted any of your beer. Are you just sticking uh, primarily to Belgian styles? Are you branching out? Maybe do like more of an American IPA or, I don't know, a Berliner Weiss? No, definitely. Um, uh, We brew about 30 beers per year. There's only uh, uh, 30 beer styles. There's only four that we're bringing out to to the United States. But we go from historic styles, uh, 1407 recipe Groot, to uh, modern style uh, IPAs, uh, oh, ripe okay. ale. We've got a ripe ale here with 25% rye, and we do collabs and different stuff. We did a 70% rye rye wine with Lerwig, uh, 12% ABV. That's crazy beer. Yeah. So we do that stuff too. Is that uh, where the 1501 comes from on this beer we just tried? Uh, 1501 is the, 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 the year of the uh, official city recipe, yes. How, how big is your brewing system, if you don't mind me asking? There's uh, 20 hex in the church and 40 hex out in the second brew house that we Oh, built. okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. And then the other gentleman can ask a question, too. Sure. No, I was just wondering uh, what, what you've got coming out soon uh, that you're really excited about or what have you brewed recently that you're uh, really anxious for people to taste. Thank you. I, I like that question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, so so we are we are not only focusing on our, our standard portfolio, but we're very happy that we were able to do limited uh, limited editions and collaborations. And very exciting collaboration that we got coming up this year is with De Mole from Holland. Yeah. But there's also something we'll be doing with Odell and with Cigar City. So those will be great projects. How did that come about? Uh, you know. Uh, I think Bob said it today from Shelton. This is such a friendly business. Everybody talks together. It's such, such great fun. So if you know somebody and you say, hey, let's do a collab, he'll say, yeah, let's do it. It's fun. One more beer, please. Yes, Keep sir. Going. And now, Mike, so this is kind of like introducing your guys. It's quite a bunch of boys you have here, the, the beer boys from Torst. You know, how, how did you put together your team? You know, when you started, when you started who, were any of these guys on the opening team? Actually, it's amazing. Everybody besides me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Except for Graham, yeah. He's, he's, he's a giant boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But how, how did you put them together? No, we, uh, yeah, I actually didn't put them together, actually. <laughs> I would, um, Call out to John we, Langley. Absolutely. <laughs> that's uh, all John Langley, Thanks, for John. sure. Um, yeah, and uh, a lot of the, the, the people that have been at Taurus have been there from, so we know John. from, so John, from day one. Yeah. John was the first. Uh, yeah, he was the GM when, yeah. uh, when Taurus opened. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he was responsible for, for bringing together this amazing talent that you Long see in this room. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're yeah. good looking, too. <laughs> BR, what's it like for you, you know, as, as a sales rep? 
when you go when you go over to Torst, I mean, does it have a certain reputation above other beer bars in the city, or are your brewers they want to go there just because it's, it's well, a lot reputation? of people. I mean, it has a reputation, you know, both internationally because of Yepa's connection with the brewing world, um, and also, I mean, what's interesting for me is the fact, as Mike was explaining, you know, it goes from from light lighter more sessionable beers you, you know you get these really really big full bodied uh, higher alcohol beers and uh, the beers are treated well uh it's just it's a nice atmosphere to have a have a beer you know there's no tvs it's not like it's uh not to say there's anything wrong with bars with tvs or sports going on but it's just it's you, you're there to talk to people and enjoy the beer while you're there that's actually one of the things that I think is really cool about tourists is like when you walk in, it looks pretty fancy. Everybody's there drinking uh, beer from uh, wine glasses and stuff. So it's kind of our job to make sure that it doesn't feel fancy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we never want anybody to uh, like we I, there's something for everybody, you know, like even if somebody comes in and like. Uh, on the weekends and wants like a tequila shot, like I'll just you know like playfully like redirect them. If you went across say, the street and get some tequila. Yeah, yeah you're so yeah, hospitable, yeah. man. No, no, well, I love well, that well, kind of place. Yeah. I'll, it's I'll like we like, get cigarettes, right? Oh, you want cigarettes? I'll call the deli. You need some tequila. They delivered too, and uh, yeah, shout out to Green Garden Deli. <laughs> Where would you put that? Like a Belgian triple on that spectrum? Would it go towards the light? I mean. Belgian triple, yeah. Good question. Um, yeah, so uh, right, before, <laughs> right before the warm room, uh, because the, the the kind of light to dark spectrum is is more than just uh, color or alcohol. It's like overall sort of impression of the beer. You know, is it heavy overall? Mm. Irregardless of uh, of alcohol, it could be uh, could be a very sour beer or whatever. But yeah, a triple is a perfect example of one that fits really well at the tail end of the cold room beers uh, right before you get to the warm room. Unless it's a, a, a triple that's really high in alcohol that can uh, stand up to being served a little bit warmer, in, that, in which case we'd move it over to the warm room and put it on the first line. Um, so yeah, fits, it, that's a, triples fit in really well in between, uh, in between those two rooms. And Irwin, so what was your impression of, of Torst? Um I loved it, and you know that 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 uh, and that's no sucking up, Mike. Uh, it's it's just that it 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 underlines uh, what I love about the United States when it comes to beer, and that was a question that I had to you guys. I mean, how do you how do you come to do this thing? Do you have a common denominator that you all love beer, or you love a place like Torst? How does that work? So I think it is because we all love beer. It's uh, actually really, really great to work there. And see how many people that come in that are just excited to be in the space. They're just excited to be at the bar. Uh, they're excited about what we have to say. And as bartenders, we're really, really happy to showcase what we're pouring. And I think that shows uh, with um, with our enthusiasm for the product. It shows in the way that our uh, like the kind of family atmosphere that we have at at the bar. Uh, there's not a lot of turnover. You know, we've been open for three years. And, of course, we've had some staff that have left. But for the most part, a good chunk of the original staff has stuck around for three years. That's and, um, you know, it just all of that kind of speaks to the kind of place that Taurus is. And it's just, you know, one of the few places that really, really celebrates beer. So who's Joey Pepper? You know, I've never met Joey Pepper. The Joey Pepper. Yeah. Oh, oh, that scrawny little kid? Uh, yeah, he's, he's our kind of... In- I mean, given I have another brewer in-house, which is Anthony Cerise, 
Maybe he should explain Dream Pepper since he's the other guy that's brewing. Uh, yeah, Joey's super, super into craft beer. Uh, always very enthusiastic when new brewers are coming by the bar. And he also brews himself and uh, does uh, some great work. Yeah, for sure. He also actually does the pairings for uh, for Luxus. Yeah. So if you uh, yeah if you head to the back of Taurus, we have a Michelin star restaurant, uh, sixteen seats, uh, tasting menu, uh, and it's the only Michelin star restaurant uh, that uh, where you can only get beer. Uh, and instead of wine pairings, they do beer pairings. Uh, and Joey's responsible for uh, for figuring those pairings out. So. That's exciting. I know. Yeah. I know the cookbook's coming out too. Yeah, that's right. And we're gonna have Yuppie on in May. Oh, cool. The yeah. So we'll get to that. Perfect. I like I, what we're drinking. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I just wanted to say, this is our uh, Jacobus Rye Pale Ale. It's brewed with uh, 25% rye and um, uh, Cascade and Simcoe hops. So American style, eh? new, new style craft beer. But, you know, we love to work with rye, uh, although difficult to brew with. We now have a wort press, so it's easier. Um, a nice story behind it. Like, everything we do has a nice story behind it, to be honest. Uh, Jacobus is called Jacobus because um, in the old days, pilgrims would stay in hostels, and hostels were allowed to brew uh, beer without paying taxes if they brewed with rye. Hence, we brewed a rye wine, uh, sorry, a rye, uh, in, this, in this case, a rye pale ale that's uh, called Jacobus because our church, where we brew, we brew in an old church, uh, was called the Jacob's Church, hence a uh, Jacobus Rye Pale Ale. I like that. It, it was a church, now it's a brewery. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Don't worry, I'll be back in a hurry. I gotta go to 15th Street and cop another 40. It doesn't matter because we're drunk and we're young. Couple kids trying to have some fun, and we know these are the days we look back upon. In 1996, Elknife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. All right. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, welcome, David, our new engineer. Good to have you on the show, man. Thanks so much. Um, we got, and we've got this crazy crew. It's yeah, tourist. it's pretty great. You know, I have to you ask open? you, like, everybody that I'm friends with that works in the beer industry is so jealous of your uh, draft system. And, you know, especially in the middle of happy hour and a keg is foaming up. It's like, oh, the most frustrating. How did that come about? Whose idea was that? 
Who installed it? Who developed it? Yeah, so that Good uh, question. That, that unit is called the flux capacitor, yeah. of course. Um, trademark. <laughs> trademark, yeah. <laughs> TM. TM. Gabe Gordon. Uh, it's, yeah, it was actually uh, engineered by a guy named Gabe Gordon at uh, Beachwood Barbecue uh, out California. in California. California, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, he's real good friends uh, uh, with Yuppa. And uh, when they started up the bar, uh, like, you know, we'd love to have one of those. One of those things in our bar. So uh, he, he engineered it for the space. Uh, he showed up in this huge crate. Uh, he f- actually flew out, uh, engineered it for the space, got it installed, left us with a bag of parts, and flew home. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we have uh, uh, control for uh, pressure on each individual line at the panel behind the bar. Uh, uh, the ability to pour uh, five different gas blends um, that you can uh, plug out of and into uh, on the fly. So it works really well uh, for uh, largely for when beers are either over or under carbonated. You know, if there's a problem pouring a beer, you can you can kind of fine tune it to to maybe pour beers where other people would have to call the distributor. That's great. And did you guys need training on it when they started? Uh, yeah, everybody largely works it out uh, over the course of, uh, of work working with it. Yeah, because honestly, uh, for the most part, you don't really need to mess with it too much. Uh, you do change the gas blends if you move to a key keg, um, but uh, largely, uh, you, unless there's a problem, you really don't need to, to worry about it. Graham, you had a question uh, off air, but please ask it again. Oh, sure. Uh, you were speaking about uh, how they were brewing in hostels and how it could be tax-free if it was brewed with primarily yeah. rye? Is that uh-huh. Was there maybe a surplus of rye, or what, what exactly was the reason for that? Honestly, I'm, I'm not sure. It's uh, pilgrims who travel without money, basically, asking refuge. So uh, uh, offering them beer uh, uh, without being taxed sounds logical. Um, and and rye, I think you're right. Rye was not a, a, a grain at that time that was being um, short in supply, mm-hmm. so they would be able to use rye without paying the taxes, and then uh, that's how the beer became affordable, I suppose. So um, yeah, that, that it must be somewhere in that realm of explanation. Sure. But I'm not 100 sure. That sounds pretty good, <laughs> uh, Anthony. So you so uh, one of the tourist guys, but you're also a brewer. Tell us where you're working and the. What, you know, that's your passion, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I bartend two days a week at Turst, and I'm at uh, Long Island City Beer Pro- Project full-time working as an assistant brewer alongside uh, Dan Acosta. He was here two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Friend of the uh, show. Believe, yeah, Dan and Damon came by to give a little chat yeah, about the beers. Show, yeah, And how'd you start working with them? Uh, I saw on Instagram that they were looking for uh, a cellarman slash assistant brewer, and I applied for the job. I went by with a, a beer that I had brewed at home. Tasted Dan on it. He asked me some questions, and uh, he hired me on the spot. That's great. Yeah. Can I ask you, um, back to these um, these historical beers, just really quickly, where did the recipes for that come from? I mean, are you guys doing research? Do you have an historian on your team? And have you tried any of the American, you know, Dogfish Head? There's a lot of people kind of getting into this. Any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, I love uh, old recipes and, uh, and, and forgotten, uh, forgotten knowledge, you know, these forgotten gems, also old brewing grains that are out there that you can really do fun stuff with. Uh, we, have, we work with historians. We have uh, um, access to ship logs, for example. Uh, what we're drinking now, actually, is the, um, it's a Lux beer. It's a 17th century uh, beer. Uh, it comes from the city of Luik, which at those time was part of the Netherlands. It's now Belgium. Um, and this was a beer that was mo- most likely to be transported on ships for the shipmates because um, this this is a spelt beer. And um, 
it has it had fairly uh, a large amount of hop compared to the other beers in those days so it kept well so they used it on ships and this beer we made especially for the Dirk Hartog year which is the celebration of 400 years of Australia being discovered in 1616 by a Dutch guy Dirk Hartog hence Dirk Hartog beer that we brewed just for Australia to celebrate but it's uh, yeah we have access to these to these records and it can be ship records or those public or records or is that something that's you guys have no no it's public connection. it's yeah, public yeah yeah, yeah. cool well, it seems like you're seeing the world through the eyes of Dutchmen because for the rest of us, remember in 2009, you guys celebrated Henry Hudson's discovery of the yeah. Hudson. And like the entire, like the, the prince and princess from the Netherlands came to New York. And I, was, I went to some parties and things. And they took me to, to Amsterdam. And now you guys are going to Australia. So I don't know. But talking about Dutch, <laughs> Dutch-centric view, a few years ago, beer, we did some Dutch beer weeks. And, and we had some fun with Dutch beer That's right. They New had York. The, the five Dutch days. And we haven't really done anything with Dutch beers for a while. So, so just... Tell us some like what beers you used to have and renewed interest if there's anything. No, I mean that, and that's something that I think would be great. It would be actually very interesting to do if it's possible to find. I don't know if the city of New York keeps what kind of archives they have of finding a recipe from the early 1600s. Mm. So I think the the very first brewery in New York City was in like 1613 or so uh, when the, it was still it was still just a fort for New Amsterdam. Um, and, uh, you know, we do have a lot of brewing history here, a lot of with the, with the Dutch. I, most people know that Stone Street was the first paved street in Manhattan. But the reason it was paved was it used to be called Brewer Street, where a lot of the Dutch breweries mm. were. And so they said there was because of the, the, the wagon traffic with all the heavy, the casks mm. and the kegs, uh, a lot of the water that was used for the brewing and just all the, you know, the mash and the grain. Um, it was just so messy. That's why the people re- required or asked that the government to, uh, to pave the street. So, I didn't know that. That's a great, great story. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be great. But, yes, we do. We've worked. Uh, I mean, we opened, like I said, we had them a while back. We've got them back again. We had Christoffel, uh, unfortunately, no longer working with them. Uh, Brewery I, uh, IJ. Uh, we hope to do something with them again. I mean, the, the, and DeMolin, of course, is probably our best known, our best known Dutch brewery that we work with, growing out of a mill. Mike, do you have any Dutch beers on your menu? Right now we do, yeah. We, we have the open quadruple, yeah. <laughs> I, used to, I used to have the Christoffel for a long time, and we actually we had a thing every year called Fancy Dutch Beer Week that we just did with BR at Jimmy's Number 43, and that was always fun. But it was pretty much, it was Christoffel that I loved, and there was one Coit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the open. That's their Gruet. So that's your that's your beer. So I've, I had that before. I've had that. Wow, man. Cool. Yeah, we have we have the Molin on uh, uh, fairly regular as well. Yeah, it's a brewery we like a lot. Sure. Yeah, I'm waiting for that profound moment. I think I think you gave it to us, Br. Yeah. So 1613, New York City. The Dutch were here. Drop it. I knowledge. want to say around that. Yeah, around that. And so, Erwin, give us. What do you think? What beers were the 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 Dutch? Making in New York in the 1600s. What do you think? Oh, wow, that's really hard to tell. But uh, don't you have the recipes, man? Come on, <laughs> not in my back pocket. Um, 1609 was the first settlement of the Dutch, actually. So I'm, I'm guessing that if we're drinking you, a, a 17th century Luiks today, it can. It, it's possible that it would have been something similar. But I'd need to know, uh, and not me because there's somebody else doing this. But we'd need to know uh, what kind of brewing grains were available, uh, where the hops came from, etc., uh, etc. Et and for sure, with the English. Then afterwards, it would have been English ales. I bet you guys have a sense. What kind of beer were they making in New York in the 1600s? Uh, Coors Light. You know, <laughs> like, well, no, I, I was actually reading. I, I was, you know, those little small triangle parks they have in different parts of New York City. Like it's like this is Triangle Park, and then it's like just a tree in the middle of an nowhere. Uh, I read in Bushwick it said 
in Bushwick, I think it was spelled differently. It was more of like a Dutch word, like Bushwick, I don't know. Like, like Brooklyn was uh, – apparently it used to be called – Bushwick Avenue used to be a huge brewer's road as well. Hmm. And then it had the most – I think it was more German than Dutch, I believe. But he, there was to be the most amount of breweries in Bushwick yeah, before the, the Prohibition. So there's been like in general like a huge history here. And it's funny enough that we're in Bushwick now, and that this used to be one of the biggest areas. Yeah, that's true. Definitely in the ni- in 19th century it was. And Anthony, as a brewer, would you, would you want to give a, sh- a shot at what you think the 1600s early New York City brewery brewer, brewery tastes like? Whatever. Um, I don't I don't know what it tastes like, but I would say it was probably a lot of hard work. We have uh, uh, today we have pallet jacks and forklifts to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and I can only imagine what it was like moving casks full beer around. Well, beer when you, when you said that they had to pave the roads because they had like water and waste, they just probably just poured all that stuff down the street. Oh well, right? yeah, a lot of that. I mean, you know, Collect Pond downtown was you know tanneries and everything would 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 uh, dump all their waste. But I think it would have been uh, initially a lot of the the ingredients would have had to have been imported because it was a little while before they started growing grains in New York. They found that there were wild hops growing, but I don't know if they would have used a lot of hops. I mean, that's why they were using spruce tips, uh, even things like pumpkin as gourds, as fermentable, just to have something in the mash. Um, and also wheat. I was just explaining to Erwin last night, I, I learned recently, I, I had to teach a class on this, which is why I sort of have the historical knowledge now, is that Terrytown um, up the river is known as Tarva Town, which means wheat, because there was so much wheat being grown for both baking and brewing up, uh, up the Hudson. Great. Mike, what, what beer did you pour for us? Uh, this is uh, actually one of Anthony's beers, yeah. too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so this is a, uh, a grisette of mixed fermentation that I brewed in my parents' garage back in June. Uh, <laughs> so it has a simple grist. It was uh, 70% American two-row and 30% flaked wheat. Uh, primary fermentation with a wild strain of Saccharomyces. And then uh, I pitched a healthy culture of lactobacillus pediococcus and multiple strains of Britannomyces. Well done. This is almost like, I like apricot. It, yeah. I mean, I would guess there was some kind of, you know, tropical yeah, apricot there, or peach. There's no it's... fruit in the beer. All all flavors uh, from the fermentation. Right on. And then, is, is it Ryan? It is Ryan. Come on, Ryan. Get in close. What, what do you think early 1600s New York City beer tasted like? It was probably sour. So, I'm guessing they... They couldn't Thank hold. You. They couldn't hold fermentation temperatures, mm-hmm. so even if they brewed something dark, uh, they probably use um, part of the last batch to help ferment the new batch of beer. And because they couldn't control fermentation, you probably had all of these really strange flavors, a lot of like fruit type flavors in your darker beers, and things that just would spoil over time, for lack of a better word. And so you'd get some like sour porters that were probably pretty common uh, just because you couldn't maintain any sort of uh, cleanliness standard or uh, or fermentation temp. And what do you think, Anne? We think yeah, that- that's a, literally that's exactly what I was thinking. I would imagine murky, kind of slightly soured, off-flavor brown ales, right? right? A little warm, but again, they sustained and they did their job and they had their purpose. But I fully understand the German you know, takeover of people's tastes yeah. In the 1800s, and like Anthony was saying, it was probably hard. You know, you can't get commercial yeast strains. Like you can't just pitch commercial yeast. So you had to reuse older batches of beer to ferment the next batch of beer. And over time, like that, those they, they, they just boiled sugars like gourds, and hopefully the water wasn't contaminated, and they drank it as fast as they could. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so that's, that's why the beer, you know beer was so crucial <laughs> is that the water was oftentimes contaminated, right? So yeah, we needed some right. way to get the sustenance, and beer did the trick. 
Well, thanks for bringing us history, Mr. Yolpin. Yeah, Anthony, this is amazing, man. Yeah. This is yeah, really, it is really good. good. Yeah, I like yeah. it very much. It's all right. Well done. Wow. So is, it, is this similar to anything that you make at, at Long Island City Beer Project? Uh, there's, sim- uh, there's similar projects in the works. Uh, we we brewed a kettle sour uh, a few weeks ago. I don't know if you guys tasted it on the show, called Gal Friday. Um, <laughs> this this beer that we're drinking right now is not kettle soured. It, it underwent about a four-month like complex lactic fermentation. Uh, but we, we've been filling like uh, crazy a ton of wine barrels. So we ran a cool ship batch two weeks ago. So... Some promising stuff That's in great, the future. Man. Let's pour another beer. Come on, let's keep this going. Let's get it going. Do you want to do something? Let's do this. So, so since you've been in New York, is there anything that's really stood out to you of the local brews that you've tried? Are that are inspiring? Um, well, actually, I hit uh, I hit JFK uh, yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to drink <laughs> that much. But I liked very much. Help me, Br. The um, point Green Point. Oh yeah, yeah I had was, a, I had a, the, the Berliner Berliner Weisse with coffee. Greenpoint beer was outstanding. That was really Enduro. good. Oh yeah, Greenpoint Enduro. It's brewed at where? What's the name of that restaurant? Dirk, Dirk, Dirk the Norseman. Yeah, now yeah. it's called Greenpoint Green Beer and Ales. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So did you have that at Torst? Yeah, yes. it's, so it's on. Line three, to be exact, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's on the lighter side of things. It's really good. So you know your line. So how do people order? When, I'm, when I go into tours, I just, do I point? Do I say uh, line? It, it's, it, go ahead. It's a system that is so perfect, that, that and it's uh, not a lot of people realize it, because, like, so many the beers are hard to pronounce, and, like, the best thing you can do is give me the number of the beer and the size pour you want. You know, because, like... Uh, there's so you know. I just asked for it. And then let Ryan's dying to say something. No, no, no. If you uh, come up to the bar and uh, just go, I need a five ounce pours of seven, eight, nine, and fifteen. We will love you forever. We will want to kiss you. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. hard. Yeah, that's that's all we want. Your numbers, guys. That's cool. Yeah. All right, guys. We're taking a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's heritageradionetwork.org. Check us out, be a member, and uh, we're here for six years now, so uh, we'll keep going with you guys. And there's over 30 shows. You should check them out. Cheese shows, chef shows, farm shows. And do you like being the, the winner co-host on Beer Sessions Radio? Oh, come on. Look at look at what I'm doing right now. You're this awesome. Is like, this is a great place. What, what's your uh, your Twitter handle? Ann Likes Beer. 
I love that. I was not you as <laughs> very I simple. Yeah, and simple I still hope and easy. one day you'll go back on Facebook because they kick if you. If they out. let me, I'll I go. hate that. <laughs> I hate that. So yeah. okay, let's get deeper now. So we asked, "There's this. It's spring's coming up. Lent. I asked Erwin uh, if they had Lent and any kind of Lent beers. Didn't really have a good answer. No, because because we don't. Uh, we have a Lente beer, which is translated springtime beer. But we don't have a beer uh, in particular for a certain um, uh, f- uh, fest, but more that we brew what we want to brew, and then we take either a season or something that we are interested in historically, like a, a, a Dutch dry stout, because all the breweries used to have a stout. It all disappeared, so we brought it back. Stuff like that. Do, do any of you guys think of Lent and think of beer? And if so, do you think of a beer style? Who wants to answer that one? Yeah, box. Absolutely, yeah. I love Easter. I love the box of Easter. I love the richer. Um, the Dole has a really great um, Easter beer. That's one of my favorites. I mean, what do you guys... Anybody else? Because I've been drinking box all, one, all spring. But. Not everyone identifies yeah. with Lent. Uh, to me, it's, li- it's liquid Lent every year. Drink like a monk. So Yeah. Oh, so, well, some of the, the, the smoky beers from, um, oh, from Germany. <laughs> Those Marzen beers are amazing. Yeah, no, Schlenkel always has a really good Marzen. It's phenomenal. But anything, you guys, are, you, you guys don't put up beers for Lent or for the season or anything seasonal that you guys are having on draft now? We, I mean, I think we do all the seasons all the time, probably. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I I think if I'm, especially if if I'm in Europe during this time, I try, when I was in Denmark, I had some Easter beer, but it pretty much tasted like a strong Pilsner or like lager. But uh, yeah, I mean, the classics to me are like this, the box and like the smokier things. But I've had like these like really strong, like like, uh, Stark beers, I guess they call them Stark, but yeah. Yeah, Schlenkerler puts out a... um a Lenta beer every year. It's like incredibly rich and smoky uh, that I always look forward to every year. It's uh, like always pairs really well with food. It just feels, feels like a liquid campfire in your mouth. Mm. I, uh, I have to confess I have total redneck palate and pretty much everything Shrekula makes. I am totally in love with anything, <laughs> super, anything super salty and super. That's smoky. redneck palate. Bacon, yes. baby. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of fancy. Smoky and Bacon. salty. Like that to me, like, I don't know. I love barbecue. See, it's all about presenting it in the right way. You would assume it's fancy and that people, you know, newbies may or may not like the smoky Roush beers, and he's thinking it's the most basic, yeah. you know, a I, taste we're barbecue. all familiar with. I, I got to relate to the people here. Yeah, man. It's a great idea. <laughs> Is this what you guys are like every day at work? You kind of like whispering each other's ears and like high-fiving and yeah. kiss. Finishing each other's we sentences. Have, we have casual Fridays. At tourists and me and Graham always wear Hawaiian shirts every Friday. And people were like, "Is this Hawaiian Friday?" I'm like, "No, it's Casual Friday." <laughs> so we actually have guests coming in with Hawaiian shirts now. Sometimes it's been happening little by little, which is awesome. Come Can by I- sometime. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question from a retail as a retailer as well? Like, do you get a lot of pushback? I mean. I know everyone knows tourists and it's kind of a destination, but are you still getting that? Excuse me, can you fill this glass? You know, how do you deal with people that don't really understand fill lines and proper carbonation and proper head retention and that kind of thing? Or is that not an issue it for you? Really happen. Oh, I mean, really? Ryan, he wants to say, Ryan, jump in. Come on, let this guy talk. No, I want to say it, it's happening less and less. I definitely in the beginning, like you would see a price, they would see something like twelve dollars for five ounces and they would freak out or you would pour that five ounces and they would see how much five ounces actually is in the glass and they couldn't comprehend between like what they see and the price and that's um, becoming less and less the case as the time goes on and it allows places like uh, the uh, restaurant that i'm a beer director at to pour small 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 pour sizes and get away with it because tourists has laid that groundwork 
and saying that, you know, a serving doesn't necessarily need to be 16, 12 to 16 ounces worth of beer. So tell us about Lupolo. I know you guys have a couple of cool dinners for New York City Beer Week. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, uh, Michelin star chef George Mendez, his uh, second restaurant. Uh, his first restaurant is Aldea in Manhattan on 17th between 5th and 6th. Uh, so this is kind of his ode to uh, Portugal. It's uh, Lupolo means hops in Portuguese, so it's got a craft beer focused. Uh, we have 16 lines and a relatively small bottle list. Uh, but what it allows us to do is really focus on the food. Like we are first and foremost a restaurant, so uh, the beer list reflects that. We uh, there have been times on the beer list where I don't pour imperial stouts, just because it's, we're seafood heavy. We do have some protein, but we are seafood heavy, and imperial stouts just don't fit the, the profile. So. Um, yeah, it's it's loud, it's raucous, it's it's a really fun time, uh, really good place to grab a meal, and basically I ask Mike what he's buying for the week, and then I copy it. <laughs> so 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 what <laughs> are some much. of the beers that you're uh, serving there now? So right now, uh, let's see, I just updated it today. So we're pouring Hill Farmstead James, Double Galaxy, um, got some really cool things on from Westbrook that never have left the brewery. We're pouring a barrel aged barley wine. Um, the Barrel Age Oud Brune, uh, which was, came into New York in bottles, but I think we got the only keg. Um, yeah, some really, really fun stuff. And all of it is meant to go well with the food. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, a place where we want to celebrate the food, and, and the beer list reflects that. That's great. Let's go back to Mike. So, Mike, I know um, I've known you for a couple of years, but tell us your background, because you're a very interesting guy. You actually came to this business with some training and a lot of experience. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I started a while back, uh, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, my, my, uh, my college degree is in hotel and restaurant management. Um, so I started, uh, started life in restaurants and, and hotels and then got away from the business uh, uh, after, after a few years of realizing that I kind of like uh, weekends and holidays off. Um, <laughs> got, into, uh, got into the IT world for, uh, for uh, a decade or so and, uh, and then uh, realized that I wanted to move back to New York at about the same time the Torch was opening. So uh, it was a nice... Uh, a happy coincidence that uh, that brought me to the neighborhood I was looking to move to, which was Greenpoint, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. And what are a couple of things that you learned in a hotel school that you still use in your as a general manager of a, of a restaurant in New York, or did you just forget all that and, and learn on the job? Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah the. The the degree part of it was some time ago. I still remember a few things, uh, <laughs> from, uh, not as much as I probably like. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it does all boil down to service, honestly. And that's, uh, I mean, that's the one thing that, that, that you learn in, uh, you know, a, a school that's focused uh, for hospitality industry, is that uh, is, is service rules all. And I think that's something we we do really well at Torst, yeah. actually. Yeah, and that's the one thing. I mean, it can be Torst can be an intimidating place, especially if you're uh, you're not one of the you know top one percent of beer nerds on the planet. Um, a lot of beers <laughs> that people haven't heard of from breweries that they haven't heard of. You know, prices might be a little higher than than, than they're used to because the beers are very expensive. Um, so uh, it helps that you have uh, a crew like we have here that. Um, that really, uh, really makes the unfamiliar familiar and makes people feel at home, which is uh, which is, uh, makes Torch a pretty cool place. Great. And then again, as a manager, when you had um, you opened there yesterday, just tell us like the things you have to do to make that happen. They just show up and you pour them beers, or did you have to orchestrate? 
Yeah, well, uh, in talking to BR, we we knew that uh, that uh, the open was was coming into the market, and uh, it's a brand that I I had uh, known a little bit about, uh, not uh, not too much because I haven't been exposed to it here in the market. But um, yeah, it's a a brewery that we were excited about, um, and uh, when uh, I found out that uh, that he was uh, coming in on Monday, yeah, we wanted to make sure to to have a beer to welcome him. Um, so uh, that's how we brought the, uh, the the quad on. But uh, yeah, it won't won't be the won't be the last. For sure. Jane, did you get invited to tours yesterday? I couldn't go anywhere yesterday, so no, I did not. Oh man! <laughs> but if I had, it would. No, I'm just kidding. It's um, yeah, tours is great. I mean, it's it's a, especially for the one percent of beer nerds like he said, it's it's nice to have a place you know that you can ask a really geeked out question and not be the jerk at the bar. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. hey, what what hops are in this? You know, a lot of bars are just like, oh, shut up, just order. And this yeah. is kind of nice that you can go there and geek That's out good. together. Erwin, we're gonna we're gonna wind up soon, so. Tell us some of your strategies bringing your beer into the United States. Are you going to just be in New York City? Are you going to go to other cities? No, we uh, so we start here. Uh, actually, tomorrow I'll drive to Philly and the day after to Washington, and we'll have uh, an event at Monks in uh, Philadelphia and uh, at uh, Church Key in uh, Washington. And actually, our owner and brewer, Michel, will also fly in. He'll be too late for the radio show, unfortunately. But nobody fits in this room anyway so <laughs> <laughs> anymore but uh, he'll be doing a small collab with Blue, Blue Jacket in Washington so mm-hmm. that'll be cool and we will be going then to the west coast and then around the Great Lakes and so we want to be in, in all of the United States and it requ- requires um, attention and that's what I want to do uh, build relationships with, uh, with people in bars and shops and talk to guys great guys like this in, in a great bar I love tours really and what you said you know hospitality I did hotel management too oh, right. and, uh, and I fully agree I mean it's you have to you have to have, you have to make people happy to come to your place and you do that right so well done one last question for, for uh, Erwin Erwin this guy over there Mr. Erwin from Yolpen okay yeah, one last question from any of you guys um, you ask all the questions you want. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have well, one more I, question well, you for now. Come on. I, oh, I actually was wanting to continue on because we were touching so much on the 1% of the beer nerds. And I also have a lot of beer nerds that come with like people that don't drink beer. And I think the thing that we also like to expose to people is like even wine drinkers, cider drink, like anything. So, I mean, for example, like the lover beers that we tend to get through or even any other sours that are a little bit more complex – that might cost like a wine pour. I always say, well, have you ever had natural wines? Or have you ever had in these? You know, these try to always explain beer in if, a way. If you like this yeah. style of wine, you yeah. might enjoy. I, I, I typically like. They don't necessarily correlate, but I'm like, oh, do you enjoy Malbecs? Well, you might enjoy this Flanders or like, yeah. like just. It's, it's in the way that in which you relate it to people. Yeah, dissecting yeah. their palate. Yeah, yeah. because Absolutely. I think we've I've turned people on to beer. Like, for example, one of our biggest regulars never comes in with his wife. Brent Starks. Yeah, Brent Starks, a <laughs> shout out. I mean, he's there. We love him. And his wife came and did at Lexus. And so we first time we meet her, they brought in their own bottles of wine for, you know, op- the you know, whole open corkage thing. But I, when she came and sat down, I was, I was like, well, look, check this out. And we opened up just different types of beers for her and she's like wow what is this I'm like well this is a Flanders Red or this is a Belgium Strong Asian wine barrels and I think that's another concept that we hold strong is that you know the delicate flavors of wine and even cocktails or anything also exist in beer so all the rest of the people that show up at tourists like you know, people say, I want a girly beer. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but what do you like to drink? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I, it's, it's always about like 
making them escape their own because you know we all have our own limitations so expanding the limitations of how they describe what flavor they like as well that's great hey you know we're going to wrap it up so let's go around the room everyone just say their name please like your full name and what you do because this is a great show and there's so many people ambassara beer lover nerd all around <laughs> uh, ryan malbin uh beer ten- uh, bartender at tourist <laughs> uh beer director at lupolo <laughs> Erwin Klein, I work for Jopa Brewery in uh, Harlem, Holland. Jopen. Uh, Jopen, that's right. <laughs> Traveling the world. <laughs> uh, Mike Amade, beverage director at Terse. B.R. Rolia with Shelton Brothers. Anthony Cerise, bartender at Terse and assistant brewer at Long Island City Beer Project. Fernali Saria, bartender and morale manager at Torst. I love that. <laughs> Graham Saylor, head beer boy at Torst. Beer boy! Yes, we got him in there. And a, a couple of big shout-outs for events that are coming up, so I can say thanks to everybody. Not to repeat your names, but uh, our good buddies at Bridge and Tunnel Brewery out in Queens, uh, they're launching a Kickstarter to, to buy a tank. So and you can actually go to tankfund.com. They have a party on Saturday, this coming Saturday, uh, where you can support their Kickstarter, which is pretty cool, right? I'm sure you guys know what it's like. Imagine you need to raise money for a tank. Brewing equipment is very, very expensive. <laughs> and I do love the, the small local breweries that are doing it kind of one, one piece of equipment at a time. And uh, coming up on the horizon, New York City Hot Sauce Expo, something different, but it's a big part of New York City. That's April 23rd and 24th, NewYorkCityHotSauceExpo.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to everybody in the room. Thanks to our producers, Justin and Maggie and uh, engineer David and Jack Inslee. Thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time. All right. Woo. Bye later. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.